I've now hit record, and I'm very nervously talking into the microphone. There's sound waves pulsing. There's a lot of stuff happening. It's funny you should say sound waves pulsing, because the drink I am having right now is from a maker called Siren, um, and it's called Soundwave IPA. I bought it purely because of the Transformer Soundwave. Oh, that's very nice. How does it taste? Oh, it's delicious. It oh, there you go. It's delicious. So. But it means beer. It is, it is my trademark <laughs> to say a beer tastes delicious. So. Well, that's the important part. As long as delicious, delicious beer gets you through the day, it's really hard to complain after that. I hear you on that. Welcome, one and all, to season two, episode one of our podcast, I Understood That Reference. Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. That, I was like, whoa, that was tricky for me to say. I felt rusty saying it. Right, before I said this last episode of the end of season one, that we never introduce ourselves. So this time, let's rectify that. Oh, okay. Go for it. No, you gotta start. All right then, okay. Uh, my name is Ross. Yeah, I'm Ross. <laughs> that, that, that's me done. Oh, great. Uh, let me take a crack at that. I'm Rob. How do you think that went? I think that went pretty good, to be oh, honest. Okay, I don't great. know why we never tried that before. So. That's, that's pretty... That's, it was hard going, to be honest. I won't lie to you. Rob, how have you been? It's been a while. We've been away. We've been taking a bit of a hiatus when we finished our, our season, our first season, to kind yeah, of re- reconnect and yeah, stuff like that. It's been pretty full on, man. There's been a lot going on in our personal lives and uh, globally. Um, so <laughs> I have our ability to kind of line up a little bit I, I think between the two of us we've been doing a lot of travelling and just the new year kind of started to play catch up on us a little bit but you know um, after a lot of coordination and a lot of over and back we're finally back uh, to kick off season two we've been mulling over a lot of different ideas as well which is why it took us a little bit more time to kind of figure out um, uh, what we want to do and just a, f- a fair warning I should preface this by saying despite all the mulling out we still don't know what we're going to do but we're going oh, 100%. To, but no, we're just going to record something anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love the way you like you made that sound as if we really did put a lot of thought into it. We have not. But we thought about it a lot, but we didn't put a lot of that thought into it, to put it yeah. more plainly. And that's okay. And like you said, yeah, sure, the world seems to be going uh, to hell in a handbasket pretty quickly. But let's not dwell on that either. Let's not dwell on any of that. No, nah, as Michael Scott would say, everything is running out of a muck. I love the US office. I actually was watching a lot of that over the Christmas weird United you know, to say it. I'm glad uh, you got that reference. Great start to the season. How ya boy. Well done that. <laughs> but yeah, so basically what we do here is we talk about movies and games and comics and pop culture stuff and mm. we do references and all this kind of jazz. Yeah. So shall we just jump on straight into our, our first game? Let's keep jumping on, jumping in. Let's let's do it. Right. So we have a, a thing called the Great Reference Game. That every uh, episode we ask each other a different reference. So basically, I'll say a quote, or Rob will say a quote, and the other person will have to guess it when it comes up throughout the episode. Yes. Now, our reigning champion of season one, Rob, is here. Rob, well done. Yes, after a peerless start, I quickly <laughs> fell into the depths of inadequacy and failed to get many questions right. But somehow. Now, the depths of inadequacy is a line that I would like to use, okay? That seems like a real Ross, a Ross <laughs> right there. 
Well, feel free to use it, buddy. I want that in a t-shirt. <laughs> I fell into the depths of inadequacy. <laughs> it could be your memoir. Uh, there you go. My new book. I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm trademarking that. But yeah, Rob, Rob won last year uh, narrowly by one, one point is all, one reference. So yes. fair play to him. But this time, I am 100% taking the crown. But we're starting it off, and I am asking him the reference this week. So Rob, are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be, buddy. Right, this one I think is very easy. It's quick, it's snappy. I said, look, start us off on the right foot, okay? So here we go. Okay. <sighs> okay. So uncivilized. So uncivilized. <laughs> Jesus. Um. Well, that's pretty minimalist as far that as That is pretty minimalist, go. yeah. Do you want me to try and put here? I'll try and put my uh, the accent on it as well. You don't have to, because like I'm hoping it'll come up in conversation. So I'm hoping. I mean, I'm hoping it will too. I can't guarantee that it will. <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock, there. Right, boom. Let's move on, and then we're going to move on to what I believe Rob is your baby. Yeah. So, and boy, is this one Frankenstein of a baby? Because I don't know what this segment is supposed to be or how it'll turn out. But um, I've quite elegantly called it. Um, Hey, Ross, hey, Ross, look at these. I mean, so, I'd say I'll jingle that up a bit, but I probably won't. I will just no, keep I talking about how we will. I would, I would just leave it hanging. So basically, the idea behind this segment came when I was just da- deep down the rabbit hole uh, watching random movies. Of inadequacy. Uh, deep down the rabbit hole of inadequacy. <laughs> the rabbit hole of inadequacy. The sequel to Alice in Wonderland, uh, but it's focused on the Mad Hatter. The... Um, the idea behind it was I was watching lots of movie clips and I was like, God, some of these are so random and you wouldn't know what to expect as the scene progresses. So I thought I would treat you to some of these. You try and describe the bizarreness, the weirdness, the the the, the strange oddities in these little movie clips. And then if you can articulate them fair enough, but then I also am encouraging the readers, or sorry, not the readers, the listeners, to like go and watch these themselves and see if they can kind of, what they make of it. It's very silly. The title isn't even really describing it effectively. But the idea is I will send you the clip right before the episode kicks off. So you have to respond to it. It's quite raw and visceral. And we kind of just go from there. Um, and I predict that we will not be doing this segment again after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't know that. We don't. <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you dawned on that as you were saying it. <laughs> Like, the more I thought about it, the more it's fucking stupid this is. But, no, this is, um, this hey, is great. Let's, hey, let's... this is this is like a a wet clay version of one of our episodes. So <laughs> we're, we're experimenting, we're enjoying ourselves. So, so let's go. Ooh, so, ooh, I, like Ross, I, I sent you a clip right before we started recording. <laughs> do, you, do you care to describe what you watched? Right. I mean, so see if this sparks any memories in any of the listeners' yes. the listeners' minds. So the, they... the, the thing, the WhatsApp clip you sent me literally <laughs> says, meet Joe Black, I like you so much. <laughs> yes. Now, as soon as I clicked it, I was like, I know what this is. <laughs> but I, I love watching it all the time because it's so, it's the one part of that film that I actually remember. So it's Brad Pitt and I believe... No, not Antonio Banderas. What's the other guy? Hannibal Lecter. Oh, Anthony Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins. A different it, right? Tony. <laughs> a, 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 different, a, a Welsh Tony, not a Spanish Tony. But basically, this is the famous scene in the film where for him and the love interest, Brad Pitt and the love interest, kind of have one of those kind of meetings where they're like, oh, a meet cute. flirting. A, real, a meet cute. Is that what's called? I think so. A meet cute. That's, that's disgusting. But, um... <laughs> 
and and they walk away and lovingly, you know, kind of keep looking back at each other, but ever so slightly missing each other's gazes. And the music starts playing the cute, sweet, romantic music, almost to the point where you think it's a parody. Uh, and they keep just miss, just narrowly missing each other. And Brad Pitt walks on the pavement and walks onto the road and looks back and and he misses the glance again. And just when he just just the girl just walks, turns the corner, and he's he's like she's. She's gone, you know, and he kind of accepts it and goes to walk away. And then the worst CGI car you've ever seen in your life comes out of nowhere. And essentially, somebody must have just used the PowerPoint drag tool and just dragged Brad Pitt across the screen because the car hits him and he ricochets off that onto another one and then smashes and yet another like stupid CGI car wheels up in front of the screen. And it looks, it just, it all looks horrifically bad, if I'm going to be honest. But it always makes me laugh every single time I see it. Oh, it's so sh- suddenly shocking for that kind of film. Like, I remember when I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? Was that the, the two cars kind of pinball him over and back? Yes, yes, and, yes. And there's this weird weightlessness to the to the to to his CGI body as he kind of floats over and back through the air. It is so sudden and shocking. You, but watch it again and tell me you cannot see a mouse pointer, like, almost just dragging him. <laughs> like, like you're dragging a block in paint. Like, it's so funny when you look at it with today's eyes. Like, oh, like, I'll definitely first, put it up on Twitter because it's yeah, worth watching. Please do. I think that this is the idea is that people can just enjoy these random things that we find. And we're tr- I'm going to try and dig deeper into, like, the random places to find, to unearth some strange, strange clips in mainstream films. And then Ross can tweet them uh, frivolously afterwards. But um, I just and I why encourage... don't we add another layer onto this where we like we'll say we'll give it like so say a review of a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So is this one the pits, which is down, <laughs> or or is it? I should have should have thought thought of this before I started speaking. Um, <laughs> is it is it Bradical? <laughs> <laughs> that be. I mean, I think I did pretty good on the spot there. So uh, I'm going to give this one. It's the pits. <laughs> Is it a hit or is you? it the pits? How about you? Well, that, well, that's a that's a that's not a hit. The radical. That's that's a that's a hit, but it's not. It's it, it's the pits, which means it's, it's the crap. pits. It's the crap. But I implore everyone to watch it. Still, look, you described it very elegantly, by the way. Well done. Very precise. Um, you really captured the kind of just missing each other's gazes moment very effectively. But that's not the focal point of that clip. No, but, but that's definitely not the focal point. But yeah, no, I just wanted to experiment. That's that silly segment over. I think this segment is also the pits. If I'm going honest, how dare you? This was radical. We should definitely make our own one where we like, you know, clip together scenes of us looking back randomly down the street and, and see what we can do. I would love that. And they're so obviously in different locations. Oh, that would be even better. <laughs> like I'm in the countryside and you're like in the city or something, just just for shits and giggles. Ah, oh, it's good to be back. What have we got next? Sure is. That actually went really well. I was happy with that. Right. Um, I guess we'll just jump on into some news, shall we? Just Absolutely. One or two quick news stories. Some quick news items. So, listen. Right off the bat. Can we talk about the bat, man? Can we talk about it? Oh, yes, we can. Go for it. I just... I think this is interesting. So, just over the last... Literally over the last two weeks, Matt Reeves has been... The director has been very uh, forthcoming with details, little and little nuggets, and and uh, maybe a few days ago he released sort of test uh, photos, you, you including could say he revealed them. Matt revealed them. Go on. <laughs> well, that's getting cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, he he. There was some test footage and some test photos, and it even included some music of uh, Robert uh, Battenson and um, the car, the Batmobile, and uh, the score by Michael Giacchino um, of Up Fame and Lost. Um, like it's astonishing. So. T- tell me your initial impressions to all of that. The costume, the Batmobile the music, the jawline. You know what? I'm totally in favor of this. It seems you're really going for like a uh, Batman detective vibe, which was what they were saying. But like the bat symbol is made out of gun parts. So yes. like the, the holsters of the gun, the barrel of the gun. Looks great. Um, does look great. And even the car, the bat car, doesn't look like a big Nolan-esque tank or anything. It looks like a, like a Dodge Charger, an old American car like yeah it it's a muscle really car and muscle car yeah but it's not it doesn't it almost doesn't look like a bat car because there's no real bat aesthetic to it no yeah there's just there's certain kind of frills or sort of wings and spoilers on there that obviously make it look more animalistic but Spoiler I, think alert. I think <laughs> i think i think what's interesting is the uh the fact that the, i guess they're trying to strip it back a bit they're like like at least there's a bit of character to it right or yes, car yeah. actor, if you'll oh, ex- if oh. you'll excuse me, if you'll excuse how, me. How did we not miss this? How I did mean, we not miss this? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it seems like they're kind of like, well, we want this to have its own unique look. So like, he's he's kind of making things out of other things. Like the car was already a car that he's just sort of he's sort of enhanced. He's kind of customized it. The the bat suit was put together and assembled with like you know gun parts and things like that. It's all very kind of. Tangible and wooden and metallic, and um, I think what's interesting as well, like when you think about how characterless the Zack Snyder Batmobile is, like it didn't wasn't really anything. It was just this crazy CG yoke that didn't have any particular. Like, can you really remember what it looks like? I, I was about to say I can't remember what it looks like. <laughs> so there's a perfect example. At least at least Nolan had the tank, and the story behind the tank was well, this has a function because it's like this bridging vehicle that's part of the weapons division. That was a really clever way of giving him a reason to have such a batch of crazy car but then this one is more interesting it's like a car he would have already have that he's just sort of gradually maybe enhanced over time so i think that's i think it's really cool it's a cool idea the whole aesthetic to this film to be honest i oh, am yeah. down with i'm actually enjoying it now i think batman needed a bit of a shake-up in the last few years oh the last boy few films did he's he been in. yeah what i was gonna say is and i only discovered this today after having finally kind of copped it having listened to it a lot of times so the video, little teaser video of like him walking into frame with the with the score playing. Mm. Have you listened to that? I have not. Ah, okay. Well, I would want everyone to go away at once. Pause this. Go away. Listen to it on Twitter. Go to Matt Reeves on Twitter. And listen to the, the the music that they've put behind it, and it you will be instantly reminded, at least in a familiar sense, that this is music you've heard before. I'm curious to know what people think it is because I feel like I've finally pegged what it reminds me of after a few playbacks. And it's oh, I'm intrigued ast- by this now. And, it, and it's astonishingly close. Okay. Um, I might try edit it in here or something like that. I'm not going to be able to do that, but I will try. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, I, but I don't want to spoil it. I prefer you to go off and listen to it and then kind of, I'd be interested to see if, if people arrive at the same conclusion. But my God, I was astonished. Once I kind of, once I heard it, now I can't unhear it, basically. But yeah, the Batman. He's I'm back. Very intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, speaking of being back, oh. have you heard that? Unfortunately, James Bond has been delayed. <laughs> I, uh, I did. I did see that. Um, interesting, because this could set a precedence precedence for a lot of big releases coming up over the year. That's what has concerned me. But obviously, for those who haven't heard yet, 
um, somehow there's a virus going around the world that seems to be uh, wreaking havoc. And obviously mm. this affects mass gatherings. So like things like going to the cinema, unfortunately, seem to be being impacted, which is very unfortunate. So they've, I guess out of precaution, they've pushed No Time to Die back until November. It's interesting because... For instance, Sonic the Hedgehog, okay, is is obviously released and it broke records for movie for a video game movie, you know? But it still was really, really hurt because this even started the kind of whole virus thing started when Sonic was released. Mm-hmm. So the Chinese market did not do very well at all and it still definitely didn't make as much money as it could have. So it's interesting that we're already seeing the result kind of play out in cinemas now apparently we're going to go for a global recession but anyway let's stay away from that stuff that's too serious but uh yeah it's interesting to see it play out in the cinema world you know like even james bond being pushed back is a big deal because i think people were like oh are they just are they doing that to make the film better or add scenes it's like no 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 they just want to make more money yeah oh yeah like this is out of a place of where we we've spent 300 million on this presumably so we need to make sure we get that back and it's it sonic is such a perfect example because i have that exactly written down here Sonic was such an interesting release. Oh God, it's so it like had a mountain to climb, and it seemed to have done it. But then something else came along in the form of this, obviously, this global pandemic that has hampered its success because it got no significant China release, like you said. But it still made three hundred million so far, and that's even with all this kind of confusion and stuff with people, you know, whether people should go to the cinema. It's amazing. It has done phenomenally well, all things considered. And look, I said on this podcast before, once they changed the character design, I was all for it. And I said I'd go see it. And you know what? Hot damn, I enjoyed that film. It got a standing ovation. The end of the movie got a standing ovation in, in Dublin, in Which Ireland. That does not shocking. happen. That is shocking. Who it, does I that? Mean, Did you stand up? I mean, look, I got, I got swept up in the moment. Ah, Everyone else was standing up, bitch. so I stood up too. Oh, for God's sake. I was I, I can't be different. I'm not going to sit down. And look, I like Sonic. But I'd be like, fair. You I were just, a big fan. I couldn't believe that it did so well. And I'm I'm glad that it did. It's a good film. It really is just a kind of a kid's film. It's a family film, to be honest. Let's not build it up too much. But I'm glad it did well. They did seem to care. There's enough nods and references. And even music score is taken directly from Sonic Mania. So lots of things that I'm very happy with. And yeah. It's it's good to see it do so well in one way, but it's amazing to think how well it could have done. Oh yeah, that's not that, for these reasons. That's what's very disappointing in from like a success standpoint because it's at about three hundred million now worldwide, um, and it got off to a blistering start. And it was actually like it's been outpacing Detective Pikachu, which obviously, but from a from a US, that's how they kind of track it against you know the US pacing over sort of a certain number of days, and it's it's still earning more than that one. But the problem is obviously Detective Pikachu got its massive Asia release. Which is which is where it also would have been very popular. So Sonic is it's it's a pity because they, you know, it was a ninety million dollar film. Then they had to spend another forty or so, like doing all those changes, which is crazy. They had to spend another fifty percent just to like make all those changes, and because of the and the costs of delaying a film five or six months. So then it bumped up the production budget. It probably has broken even. Maybe it made a little bit of a profit, but. It's a pity because they so successfully changed it, and now to suffer from something else is bad luck a little bit. Now it's, there, I it's to. I have to say, you got it. Some some pr- productions are just kind of bad luck from the start, and I guess that was one of them. But look, it has done well, and I'm glad about that. Mm. So, yeah, the, so while we're on box office, can I quickly say, Invisible Man seems to be doing very well. Um, hundred million off like a seven million dollar budget. The 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 guy who made it is the guy who made Upgrade. If anybody has watched that, that's a very <laughs> that's a we watched vi- that ourselves recently. Very together. interesting film. 
Um, and look, a bit wobbly, but some like interesting concepts, fantastic looking effects at times in there for such a, a low budget movie. And like this guy seems to be going from strength to strength. It's called, his name is uh, Lee Wano, and it's an Australian director, um, a friend of James Wan's, the creator of Saw. So they, they kind of buddied up on those movies. Invisible Man is like his first friend, like this directorial sort of real straight up horror stuff. Um, and apparently just the, the way they've gone about the effects, it's kind of really kind of subtle like unsettling stuff and it's funny because this is technically in this dark universe thing that they tried to kick off and they've spent hundreds of millions on these other big movies that all flopped and then they spend seven million on this more subtle horror take and it's by far the better film which i'm so glad that you brought that up because they tried to you know like almost invisibly get a past people oh jesus what do you like what do you like oh, there's better than that in the tank somewhere but like they tried to sneak <laughs> this past people because they were like look we've lost all our money we already had a cast with somebody else and they just tried to sneak it under the radar and because of that because they handle it differently it's actually done phenomenally well yeah honest it's like i'd nearly go and see that i don't really like going to see these horror movies because they're very scary Oh, but, uh, I mean, you, you you don't like your scariness. In fact, I almost got into a uh, a bit of an argument with the uh, Irish Times uh, a cinema editor. Oh, really? An Irish paper on Twitter the other day, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I made, a, the, the, I, like, Universal Pictures had the, the, the trailer up and, like, I had a whole, oh, Irish Times said it's an economical and gripping system. And I was like, oh, that's such an Irish Times review, just thinking I was clever. And all of a sudden, the editor was, like, tweeted back to me going, what, what do you mean by that? Really? I was like, oh, I'm just, I was just, just you know, I was just, just riffing, take, you know, just like skitting the language or whatever. And he was like, "Yeah, I know I can be snooty, but I can be a lot snootier than that." <laughs> like, how do I, how do I diffuse this one pretty quickly? So I just said, "I was like, well, anybody who's listened to our podcast knows that our movie reviews are pretty monosyllabic." So, ah, oh. yeah. well, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> so did you go for coffee afterwards? Oh yeah, I meet them tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, so it's great to see that doing well. I love kind of seeing when you know things like those really low budget, particularly those Blumhouse guys, seem to really know how to keep it under ten mil. You know, less is more, and I just they get the, the 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 book for their bargain and a bargain for the book. I mean, I'm an American, so I don't know what their phrase is, but whatever that phrase is, that they've got. Well, they get both of them. You can be sure, and I th- and it's funny because then by comparison, you've got Doolittle. Um, it's it. They, apparently, they spent two hundred million nearly on that movie, <laughs> and it only made it's only just over two hundred million now. It's, that's a huge flop already. Um, you could say, um, do little. It, it did very little for the moviegoers. I was about to say they could do little to help it. <laughs> well, that's also true. <laughs> it does look uh, tremendously bad. It looks appalling. But one um, good thing has come from it. In the film poster, there's a picture of Robert Downey Jr. surrounded by the animals. And there's a picture of a duck making like a like a funny smiley face, and I have just used it with all of my friends. Whenever I make a joke or a pun, I just send a picture of that duck. <laughs> oh, so now it's my new thing. Duck. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my god! But enough of the numbers. I don't like dwelling on. I'm trying to trying to freshen things up by not dwelling on them. But I just think it's interesting to get a sense of how the market is reacting at the moment. Isn't that fascinating? Don't you I like actually- it? I actually do think it's fascinating, to be honest, and hopefully other people do too, because it's just interesting to see how the the market is almost like a living thing, like an organism, you know. Oh, I just love seeing when like they they pump a lot of money and throw a lot of famous people at a film, just for some reason. Like I'm always just sh- shocked by like, oh yeah, let's just spend two hundred million on a Doctor Doolittle film. That'll definitely make its money back. Like really? how does how does that become a thing? Yeah, I mean, look, Robert Downey Jr. is just like, whatever. Anything that's not Iron Man, is I'm touching. And apparently, it didn't work. 
Yeah, it's good to know. That's a bit, bit of a, God, talk about a bit of a sanity check for him. He probably just thought he could walk onto the, onto the screen and this, oh, well, this will just sell billions of dollars worth of tickets. Like, he 100% thought he could do that. So much so that he had some weird Welsh accent for Dr. Doolittle for no apparent reason. So, yeah, why? I'm looking up this poster. But if you want to kind of drag us through another topic. Okay, um, I will. I will jump from movies because now we've covered a few movies and games uh-huh. with Sonic. Now we're going to jump onto some amazing or potentially amazing TV news. Because you know what? This guy, this director, Taika Waititi, has like done so well that he's basically brought Thor, you know, Ragnarok, and he's doing Thor Love and Thunder. He made Jojo Rabbit, which was amazing, won a few Oscars. Um, he's kind of almost involved in the saving of Star Wars because, you know, obviously other than the Obi-Wan film coming out soon, but he's definitely, he, he was played the voice of like IG-88 kind of robot guy mm. in the Mandalorian. Mandalorian TV series, and he was very good in that. But yeah. now... He is doing a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory revival TV show for Netflix. Uh, it's he is the busiest man in the world right now because he's and doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and something else, isn't he? He's doing two. He's, he's doing got, two. He's doing two. Yeah, that's mental. Also, that that's genius on Netflix's part. Like I don't know how they haven't tapped into that rolled out stuff for ages. Just like all these kind of quirky books. And it's actually probably built for that kind of TV style rather than big budget films. I don't think people oh, would race to see another Chair in the Chuck Factory or any other stuff. But TV and, show And because it's animated, they don't have to worry too much about trying to replace Gene Wilder. They can just be like, I mean, Taika Waititi already would be great as the voice of Willy Wonka. He would. I, I, it'd be strange hearing a New Zealand accent on him, but I totally go for it. I thought that would be weird on a robot. And somehow I got over that very quickly. So, or Hitler. <laughs> So, you know, that guy could do anything. I'm, I'm okay it's with him. such a it. good point. And the, the other film he's doing is actually a spin-off of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory about the Oompa Loompas. Oh, that's what the second one is. Yes. Oh, wow. But that's interesting. Look, anything he turns his hand to seems to be pretty decent. Well, because, you know, he's also working on a film called, uh, is it like Next Goal Wins? So he's just finished shooting that as well. So that's a feature-length film with Michael Fassbender in it. So he's gone from doing The Mandalorian, well, Jojo Rabbit, Mandalorian, Next Go Wins, he's doing these two rolled out properties, then he'll be on to Thor, Love and Thunder. Like, I honestly don't know where he finds the hours in the day. Christian Bale just announced his villain, by the way. Remember yes. we were saying before, what character might he play? I believe I did say a villain, but anyway, there you go. I mean, Christian Bale isn't going to just walk in for a wishy-washy part. He wants something, a role with meat on the bones. Yeah, I so. mean, realistically, he might have just wanted to work with Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, that's getting harder <laughs> and harder to say. The more I drink and the more I say it. Oh, God, this is excellent stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's it's great to see him kind of sort of drift into the the, um, the TV world and kind of add a, an, an animation, add some kind of kookiness to that. Because anything he touches is going to inevitably have some funny stuff in it. Um, have you seen The Mandalorian, by the way? I have not. Okay. Well, just because he has directed an episode here and there. And you can t- you can so clearly tell the ones that he's had his hand in. Because there's just these drawn-out conversational comedy scenes. with. Who, and as it has transpired, there were, there were like, there were, in particular, there's these two stormtroopers having a conversation with, with each other on speeder bikes. And it's just fantastic. And I was like, and that I was assume a- it's just his dialogue. Oh, it's already there. Yeah, it's just them riffing, and it's really good. And I was like, where did this come out of this scene? Which is always a risk because you'll have different directors doing different episodes and different styles kind of come across. But that was ideal for that little bit of a breather moment. 
And is trans- he involved in the Obi Wan TV show? Um, he probably look. He probably is. He probably I think is. He could be, to be honest. I think so. There's a there's a there's a direct there's another director who's the showrunner on that. But um, I think it. I think the whole. Oh, yeah, I understood that reference. Oh my god. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Too, I mean, I did say it twice there. I was like, "Sorry, say it the I second just time." Just realized what's happening here. <laughs> Go on, so. So I believe the reference was so uncivilized. Yes, right. that is that has to be our the one and only Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi. Short. It was. Do you know when he said it? I feel like it was when he's. Uh, Go on, go Fight you, your you man. just it's it's when he's against Grievous, isn't it? Post Grievous, yeah, yes. Because I the reason I know that with such clarity is because I've watched Hello There so many times. Oh, listen, I love that. I love that people rag on that film, and I'm like, so many memes were created from that first film alone, or the third one. Sorry, the, the Sith. Just, oh. Well, I think Revenge of the Sith gets a bad rap as being part of that trio, but I really don't think it's too bad i i like i would put it i would prefer to uh return, to, the return the jedi because that's very goofy by comparison as well so. and it's much better than any of the new trilogy films yeah that's true i th- i think that fight is kind of fun it's it's just him with one lightsaber somehow fighting a guy with six I, like everything about it or is it four 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 yeah i mean none of it makes sense <laughs> especially when grievous comes at him like that spidery thing you know and, i mean the end of the fight like obi-wan kenobi just picks up a gun and shoots him <laughs> like you don't do that that's the whole point of jedi so, that you don't do that but that's the riff so uncivilized that's the, so uncivilized that's, that's the riff as i was uh, gonna say hello there but i knew i knew you would get that like straight away no if you said hello there i would have gone no <laughs> just switched off your mic yeah no i'm out of here but um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if he's involved in. Wait, was that just a ruse then to get me talking about Obi Wan? No, no, no. I actually, I know. I actually do think I did think he's involved in Obi Wan because there is another TV show. I think it could be uh, the Outer Limits or something like that that he's also involved in. So he's getting around quite a lot. Like, oh wow, how uncivilized. That's interesting because I th- first I think an Obi Wan TV show. Now that I've I've watched the Mandalorian throughout, and it's. It's really enjoyable, I have to say. Like, you actually really grow to like, like the characters, the aesthetic, the style. So if they can kind of keep that kind of low-key, sort of... Sort low-key? Of strip... <laughs> that's that's a different of, TV show. He this, might be involved in that too. He to could be, actually. Probably actually is, if anything. But it's like a paired back, back cast of characters. So you've less to kind of deal with. It's 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 more um, approachable as a Star Wars sort of property. But um, I can't wait for it. Deborah Rob. Chow, that's the lady behind it. What did she What's do? Name? Deborah Chow. Nice. See, World International Women's Day just happened, and we know the name of some female showrunners. Well done, Rob. Oh, she did Jessica Jones. Oh, wow. Okay, she's very good. Oh, Jessica Jones is great. Um, I'm calling her right now. We're going to do a Star Wars special at some point where I absolutely just rag on the new trilogy for like 45 minutes. <laughs> now, that's been decided. There you uh, go, beer. Well done, beer. I love uh, you too, beer. Sorry. Of what? all three of them, which one do you like the least? See, that's 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 difficult. I would say of all three of them of the new trilogy, I like the last Jedi the least, purely because it just shits on Luke Skywalker for <laughs> two and a half hours straight. I love that part. <laughs> oh. This podcast, this podcast's over. <laughs> I'm out of here. How uncivilized. Oh hey there. We didn't see you. We were just 
sitting here writing our show notes in our warm smoking jacket, warm fire and warm cognac. Wow, Anita, what a description you've painted there. It's like I'm in the room with you. It's because you are, Kira. As you can tell, dear listener, we put a lot of effort into this podcast because we have to, because we're just so damn unexceptional. Unlike our guests, our guests are quite the opposite. And we interview everyone from a bin man to a junior doctor, to a nurse, to a Mormon, to a sociology teacher. And we poke around in their lives and find out what makes them truly exceptional. It's all about celebrating everyday people. And after we finish recording, we come back here, sit down, stroke our Persian cat and get on with the show notes. That makes it sound like we're really (laughs) celebrating them. (laughs) Find us at underscore unexceptionals. Right, what else we got cooking in the tank? Right, this is a new thing I'm calling Evergreen Terrace. Well, basically, we talk about content that is completely <laughs> content. Not, yeah, c- content that's completely non-time bound or bound by news or anything like that. So basically, we just chat about a, a topic or a kind of issue, uh, and just chat about it for a while and see where we are and see what the state of it's and like. We, and we solve the issue, most likely. And, well, hopefully, and what the, this week, what I thought was a good one for us to talk about, because you have recently got lots and lots of experience with it. Uh-oh. And that is the world of virtual reality. So VR headsets. Yes. Well, what do you want me to say about them? I, I, well, I okay. <laughs> so, right. Uh, you recently <laughs> got your own PlayStation VR. I did. Um, so you've definitely got hands-on and, and head-on, I guess, with a lot more games and stuff than you would have before. And um, What's your kind of initial impressions and your initial takeaway moving from a very traditionally normal-based game person to VR playing that quite a bit? Um, I start two kind of key things I would say about my my sort of expectations and now kind of my where I stand on, on VR one, the level of creativity you can have with these games seems to be quite apparently endless because I thought it would really only cater to certain types where like, uh, you are the you like it you're the point of view character and everything you move as you look around kind of works and it's kind of a rigid moving sort of system that doesn't make sense other than you know you turning your head. But platformers, as it turns out, can be highly effective and if not the most enjoyable on it. I'm talking about um, Astro Boy as a a fantastic example. Bot. Uh, Astro Boy is that Japanese anime. Oh, is it Astro Bot? There's my current attention to the the subject matter. That's Dedication, Rob. That's what we have on the front of our podcast. Dedication. Dedication. Spilling out of our trousers. Um, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's defecation, Rob. Defecation. Oh, sorry. I always get them confused. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, but yeah, and also it's remarkably entertaining with a group of people, even though it seems like it would only be a single player experience. Um, it's incredibly entertaining just watching someone put on a headset and then just them reacting live in front of you, particularly if they're not gamers. So they don't have that muscle memory or know what to expect with a lot of these experiences. Like we've, we went, we were supposed to like, we had a few people over, yourself included, and then the lads in the house one night. We plugged the VR on. We were supposed to head into town for drinks, and we ended up using that thing for hours on end because it was just so much fun. Just laugh at people react to, like, waves of robots attack or, like, playing this competitive kind of sports game where people just take turns. It worked really well, I have to say. 
Do you remember when you were young and you used to see ads for iToy or like Switch? I had iToy back in the day. I, got... I, I also had the iToy, but I swear, I keep saying the iToy. The iToy. Oi, what are you Oi, why I order? I mean, I was I was belching due to this beer at the same time, but I thought I could hide that. I could not. <laughs> it's my Irish accent anyway, you know, the iToy. Yeah, so remember the ads for that used to have like all these people around like a big party thing and, you know, because everybody wants to set up your PlayStation 2 with a camera and like move around like an asshole. And that never happened. No one ever did that. Or you did it once and people were like, this is why we're doing this. Yeah. And that's where it ended. Now, the VR doesn't seem to be advertised like that at all. Yet amazingly, like you said, we sat around there for about four hours laughing our heads off with a group of people. We thought we were going to go into town for pints or whatever, and we just literally just lost track of time because we were just laughing so much and having to crack. Like, mm. Isn't it really weird how that worked out? Because even VR doesn't seem to gear itself as a party thing at all, yet I think it works best when it's being a party thing. Yeah, now there, I think there's a slight caveat to this. Um, that was that was, that was was a day where sort of VR for that prolonged amount of time was a first experience for a lot of the, the people that day. So it felt very novel for most of the people in the room, which certainly heightens, you know, the, the, the sort of the overall level of enjoyment you kind of get from it. I mean, I definitely feel like you're undercutting exactly what I just said, but that's fine. I mean, that's that's okay. We can disagree, right? <laughs> well, we have to generate conversation. This is the problem okay, that fine. you and I are here to solve, Ross. This is where we solve it. All I'm saying is that I, I just wonder about... Now, to be fair, you've had it for a while, the, the, the VR thing, and you seem to be like seem to be more than happy with it, that there's more than enough games coming out. I always just wonder, maybe the point has already been proven, actually, but would it ever become a gimmick? Has it gotten to that point? But maybe, you know, for some people who are gamers, that they will continue to enjoy it, then others, they might like to play it all the time, but they're happy to do kind of fun kind of group sessions on the, with, on the VR side of things. Just so to like kind experiences of, as opposed to games. Yeah, 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 because... A lot of people who were like playing it through the day uh, in our place were they they're not gamers really, but like they can still have fun because VR is far more intuitive. So one of the game is like one of the games is literally like it comes with VR worlds. You just header a ball. All you have to do is like like everybody knows how to anybody who's been outside knows how to like generally play a, a, a ball sports game. Of some description. So like it's it has more of a pick up and play ability than handing someone a controller. And then expecting them to figure it out, particularly if they don't play video games. So I think that's why it's also very accessible. And um, just it's such a unique experience. Like it's it's so immersive, so quickly. It's like, so unreplicable. Like that feeling is you cannot replicate that in anything else other than VR. And I what I find it interesting is that you were saying that all those people hadn't played games and stuff like that. And it was their first time in VR. And because ha- I've had it a bit longer, what I find interesting is that they're now is enough of them i sound like arnold schwarzenegger now now get to the job there is now enough of a market and enough games that you can kind of select if you like do you want to just go down the route of experiences or do you want to go for well single player only games or multiplayer shooter games there's now enough of a market and enough games out there that you can actually have your choice because for a while it was limited very much to just oh this is an hour-long interactive experience as opposed to a game so I'm glad to see that it has been fleshed out. And I think that's kind of cool that you get to kind of experience that in yourself now and find your own path of what kind of VR games that you end up liking for yourself. Well, like, uh, there's a few on the on the, on the the to-do. So I've got, there's that Star Trek Bridge crew you said is fantastic, but that is quite reliant on 
all, like other people online friends of yours having the, a headset in the game as well so that you can you could be part of a crew sort of together that's where it's at its most entertaining but still that's going for like a tenner here and there <clears throat> on certain sales so i'll target that one and um, that london gangster one blood and money or whatever it is is a must buy i feel blood because, and truth i believe yes because it was it felt like the most sort of complete uh, in terms of you playing a character who was interacting with things in front of them you know with you know you your face was the face of the character and then the controllers were your hands it felt like that was quite immersive um, that game is terrifyingly immersive at times uh yes i oh, i love like it is actually because the demo was so because there's a bit in the demo where basically you have to catch a knife or catch a gun and shoot a guy and if you don't he stabs you if you don't like do the quick time event that happened to kev when he and i didn't tell him this was going to happen and of course he missed the gun that he was supposed to catch and then this character just launched at him and he like jumped back and fell onto the couch because he he was so in it he thought he was about to get stabbed so i think that goes to show the kind of potency it has for people who haven't like done a whole bunch of gaming in the past but that's something to do there's just so much i feel variety wise that like i haven't even got a chance to sink my teeth into it yet but um have enjoyed it a lot thus far and I guess that's why I wanted to bring up this as the first kind of topic we talked about, because we could probably come back and touch upon this a lot oh, we over will. the coming season and kind of if you played any more games. I mean, there's so many games still to come. For instance, there's one called Paper Beasts, which looks absolutely incredible, and it's on the way soon from a French studio. Have you ever played the 2D platformer from like 20 years ago called Another World? Mm, no. There was a remaster actually made for the PlayStation 4. I downloaded it recently, but I remember playing it before when I was a kid as well. But it's the makers of that, which is just kind of crazy. But it looks unusual and kind of weird, but it looks brilliant. And I'm glad that there's still support behind it. There's definitely going to be support for it in the PlayStation 5. Um, Dreams, oh. the PS4 games that's out, that's, VR is coming to that soon too. So like, it is definitely, there is more and more and more to come, which I'm really happy about. But it's something we can touch upon again as the season continues because I think it's a worthwhile conversation to keep going because honestly if you ask me I can see after playing it and having the VR for so long now I can see every game going this way I stopped playing normal games for a very long time because the VR experiences were just so good yeah there's some great ones and I, I, you can be sure that there'll be an official like PlayStation VR 2 to accompany the PS5 if not maybe not at launch but certainly shortly thereafter to like juice another sort of sales cycle because like it was i think it was even more of a sort of a sleeper hit than they were expecting it just kind of continually did well and then to your point people started developing more games for it and then there was this, this huge catalog of vr games that like that some were ported from like steam games like where some really popular ones like beat saber and then there's some like you said some lovely novel ones where they're created from scratch or purpose but for the ps4 so there's some great stuff in there like it's and look no man's sky in vr that's it's probably, the only, it's, it's probably the only VR game you would ever need and it's insane. It's just <laughs> crazy. Um, I'd be very intrigued to hear your thoughts on that game. Very intrigued. I haven't, I haven't, I've, I've recently had the game brought over as of within the last couple weeks. I just haven't booted up. Hoorah! I, I just haven't, that, that game is such a clusterfuck that, that I haven't had the energy or patience to like install it and go through the rigmarole of kind of getting used to it again and then in VR. So, I'm going on another trip, but when I come back, I will set aside some time to experience this this No Man's Sky version. But right now, I'm just that game just pissed me off. I'm not ready yet. I'm just not there. Uh, yet. So I remember. Oh, I remember. 
we were supposed to do a whole captain's log journey thing and we played it and we're like wow fuck that <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad oh, the, the normal it. version base game i i, I don't I, under, I don't understand how people played it it's unplayable if you ask me it's appalling the controls are so just pure whack i, I it doesn't make any sense why i don't know why i can't remember the specifics but it's so unmemorable that the landscapes while like expansive feels quite samey and then the crafting kind of thing is really really confusing like i don't understand it i, I couldn't and have tedious it. and monotonous just what you want in a game but when you're in the world it's different it seems different because you feel like you are doing it and oh, i found like i found some of the experiences far too intense like where like you're jumping from like one platform to the next or something and like you start to feel that motion sickness feeling like if you were in a car reading or watching something are oh, you gonna fucking hate it so <laughs> like honestly i, I was I, I i would be concerned that that it would have that effect on me right rob we're just about at the 45 minute mark shall we shall we call it a day on the first episode of season two i think we should i think there's a nice bit of variety there some little nuggets little nibblers for the gang for the listeners what do you think yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm happy with that. I think we covered all so full swathe of the pop culture spectrum. One thing I want to say beforehand, though, one last really quick thing is that there is now a volume of Transformers and Ghostbusters crossover comic out. There's only one volume of it to release today. That's all there is. It's one collected series. Everyone should buy it. If you want to get into comics, if you like either series, it's amazing. You don't need to know anything about them. Buy it. Anyway, yeah. Wow. So that's 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 us done. Rob, you got the reference. Well done. What a, what, a, what, a, what a pleasant uh, rekindling of the show. How about that? I think we did a good job. I, th- I think I did, don't think we were too rusty at all. I mean, we probably screw something up in the last 20 minutes and turns out we haven't recorded any of this. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> That is happy. a very present concern, <laughs> now that you mention it, actually. Right, well, Rob, where can people find us? Um, in a plethora of uh, locations. Um, but if you just want to straight up listen to the episodes... Right into your little ear holes, you can go to Spotify or iTunes Podcasts or SoundCloud or uh, Podchaser or Podtail or Podnation or uh, Zune or Tune or with Zune, I think is the Creative Zen players from back in the day or something like that. I thought you were just making up words. Is that an actual thing? I'm sure there is a podcast player called Tune. I mean, pro- yeah, prob- there has to be. There has to be at this point. Um, anywhere you can find good podcasts, you can f- podcasts. Anyway, you, you can love find podcast. You can find <laughs> you can you can find our one, um, and then we have a website as well. It needs a bit of updating. Uh, guilty as charged. That's where you can kind of find some additional content. Um, maybe a little bit more context in the episodes and other little, uh, little nuggets there. Um, and Ross also quite graciously create curates um, uh, our Twitter account where he spends his days uh, sharing pictures of ducks and getting into arguments with journalists. It's quite the occasion if you want to follow. There was in fact just a poll ran by which favorite movie scene people had. So basically last month I ran loads of different polls to see which films were going to go against each other. And it was the end scene of uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. There was the Mulan song, I'll Make a Man Out of You. There was the Rocky training montage, the original Rocky film and the Avengers Endgame scene, fight scene against Thanos. Uh, the Avengers Endgame scene absolutely cleaned up and destroyed them in that one. So congratulations to that. Well done, the Avengers, because, you know, you needed this validation of your success from us. Our validation, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 
Oh, perfect. Right, well, Rob, we're done. We we did it. I don't believe it. Episode 26, man. Yeah, episode we're 26. We're and we're slowly... back in the saddle and be more consistent and we'll get episodes out yeah. and we will have stuff for people to listen to. Thanks so much, guys. And you can listen to season one anywhere you want. There's some fun stuff in there. There's even a recap episode if you want to listen to that. Not only that, but just re-listen. There's some fun conversations in there. You're goddamn right there is. Yeah. You're goddamn right there is. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess all that's left is for me to say that I've been Ross and uh, I've been Rob and this has been I understood that reference thanks so much for listening Woo, thank back. you everybody we're oh, back Woo. we're back baby yeah Jesus. I'm guessing we're back Gee, oh. oh nice oh uh, yeah I'm thinking I'm back I did not use that as a reference one